Hey there, Danny with Right Foot Down. I messed up this ad read so many times because I really want to tell you about Track Monkey Apparel. They make great quality, enthusiast shirts along with hats, stickers, watches, patches, you name it. A couple of my personal favorites are their Life is Better at the Track tee and their One Track Mind tee. You should really check them out and see for yourself. Their products are great for you or the gearhead in your life. Visit trackmonkeyapparel.com. You're listening to the Untitled Car Show in partnership with RightFootDown.com. Visit RightFootDown for your daily automotive fix. If you enjoyed today's program, please tell a friend. It's the best way to support this show. If you want to visit the archives, go to YouTube and search for Untitled Car Show. That'll bring you to the archived episodes. If you want to follow this show, just search for Untitled Car Show on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can always send an email to the show at untitledcarshow at rightfootdown.com. We're so glad you decided to spend the next hour or so with us. Without further ado, let's get into today's program. Welcome to the show. Uh, today we have... <laughs> Alanis King, I almost forgot it. I literally just asked a second ago. Uh, she is the, are you still officially the weekend editor over at Jalopnik? Is that the uh, title? Yes, I am still officially the weekend editor, but now I'm also a staff writer, so I will be working Saturday through Wednesday for a little while until we find a new weekend editor. <laughs> well, that's a good uh, problem to have is having to find another one. You did a fantastic job editing on the weekends as far as I could tell I don't know I'm not sure if that's the highest praise coming from someone who can barely spell but um, let, let's kind of just start with the beginning so you're basically the newest staff writer with Jalopnik I am indeed yeah it's kind of mm -hmm. weird I'm also the youngest so yeah mm -hmm. and you've probably owned your car longer than a majority of the other staff writers which is probably weird um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, the, the, I mean, how did you get, I'm, I'm very curious of how you started off, like, with Jalopnik, like, because you are, as we're speaking, graduating college from University of Texas, right? Mm -hmm. I am. I graduated in, I think, one week, mm -hmm. which is kind of wild. Yeah, it's a bit nutty, so, but you've been working as the weekend editor for Jalopnik for how many years now? Oh my goodness, it's been a year and eight months because I actually just had to fill out forms for a home loan, and it has been a year and eight months, so in September it'll be two years. Hopefully so, I'm not on weekends anymore by then. <laughs> so, you, I mean, it's basically sophomore year, early junior year of college, and you get the wild idea of uh, working with Jalopnik. Like, how did it all happen in the first place? So, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because I'm graduating actually in May and I'm graduating in three years. So it was just my second year of college. And I had a professor during my first year of college who actually worked with Patrick George, the editor in chief at Jalopnik at the Austin American Statesman. And so I took this class and I straight aced it. I got a, a 100 in it. And when the time came that Jalopnik was looking for a new weekend editor, my professor 
saw this opening and he reached out to Patrick and he said, Hey, I have this student who really loves cars and did really well in my class and you should go talk to her. And so it was so weird. Uh, one day I was on Twitter and Patrick followed me and Matt Hardigree followed me and our account for truck. Yeah. Followed me. And I thought, okay, something's up. This, this isn't a coincidence. And soon enough, Patrick sent me a message and he was like, Hey, can you, send me your email address. I'd like to talk to you about a position. And so he emailed me and I responded and we met up at a place near campus and without even really interviewing me or getting into any of the details, he just said, look, I take what this professor says very seriously and I regard it very highly. So if you want this job, you can have it. And I said, okay. (laughs) And so I just took it and I started the next weekend. And yeah, he didn't interview me, anything. He just said, hey, you can have this job if you want it because I respect what this guy says. And if he speaks highly of you, I'll take it. I mean, that's, that's, how- <laughs> that's crazy to think about. So basically you jumped right into it. So, I mean, it was a bit sink or swim, I guess, at first. Was it, I'm imagining probably a bundle of nerves doing this? Or are you yeah. just cool as a cucumber? No, it was absolutely a bundle of nerves because most of the time when you're in college, you start at these smaller publications, you get to make your mistakes at these smaller places, you don't start out reporting on the national level and going, oh my goodness, I have to learn how to report in real time in front of a ton of people. (laughs) And so it was, oh, it was so nerve wracking. And I remember... The first weekend, seeing all the comments, I just, I don't even, I can't even describe what it was like to just watch the comments rack up again and again and again. I was like, there are so many people reading this stuff that I'm writing, and I'm so freaked out, and this is just really scary. (laughs) And that was my entire first, like, three weeks. Like, this is really scary, (laughs) and I don't even know what to think. And then I was like, I don't want to read the comments because what if they're mean and people on the internet are mean? And, oh, my goodness, it was just – it was so (laughs) nerve-wracking. But that's okay because, I mean, I got used to it. I've been here for two years now, and I I love the comments for the most part, and I enjoy them, but – it is just, it's so scary, that first taste of, oh my god, a lot of people are reading what I'm writing. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an experience, for sure. Well, were you familiar at all with Jalopnik before even getting into it? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I've always been a racing person, and I've always loved cars, but it was just, it was me being on this side of it that was so weird, because, I mean, of course I had read all of the different coverage of racing, of cars, and all that. But being on the side where I was actually riding it was really, really freaky. <laughs> so, I I'm, I mean, prior to this, you're, you're going to school. What, what is your degree in, exactly? It is in journalism. So, I actually was really interested in doing the broadcast journalism track at the University of Texas, because I my dream had always been to be a NASCAR broadcaster since the seventh grade. And they actually cut the broadcast journalism program. Um, The senior class was graduating in it Mm. uh, the year I started. And so they had cut the program. That was it. And so I just did, had to do print journalism. 
basically just all of it encompassed into one. It was just journalism. So I actually went to the University of Texas and I'm graduating with a bachelor's of journalism, which is very, very weird because it's not a bachelor of arts or a bachelor of science. And they actually wanted to all of the class rings are identical and they wanted the side of my class ring to say BJ on it. And I said, that's not going <laughs> to, um, and I threw a big fit with the school and the ring company Balfour and went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so I'm actually the only person who has Jorn on the side of my ring short for journalism <laughs> because I was not going to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I have a bachelor of journalism. That is what I have a BJ. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, you're getting into it. You're doing the journalism side. I was curious if there was, like, any social media interaction. So you went from basically almost complete anonymity on the Internet, like, to, like, basically being thrown into the wolf's den when it came to. Because mm -hmm. Jalemic is, is, I would say, one of the better comment sections on the Internet, but it's still a comment section on the Internet, mm -hmm. which means everyone's got an opinion and most of them are terrible. Um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. So weekend editor, just year, eight months. That's crazy at the amount of time that is. And like, I, I'm sure it's felt like it's been, cause I remember that age where, and I feel so old saying that, but we're like, time is simultaneously so fast and so slow. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you're in school in University of Texas, which is in Austin, which is a fantastic city, which has really blown up in, you know, maybe the last 10 years even. And I can't imagine, you know, what that did to your social life. Like, I. Oh, <laughs> oh I actually I've um, my entire time at UT, I have been a full time student. And when I got the job at Jalopnik, it's, I mean, it's a 12 to 13 hour day on both Saturday and Sunday, because most of the time I'm the only person around uh, and I'm running everything. So I'm writing the blogs and I'm putting them on social media and I'm monitoring the comments and responding to the emails and checking our tips line and all that stuff. And so they are such long days that when I took this job, I was taking 15 hours at school, which is more than what most people actually take. Most people take 12, mm -hmm. even when they don't have a job. <laughs> and so I would be in class five days a week, and then I would work Saturday and Sunday, these long, long days. And so for the past two years of school, it has just been seven days a week, constant Bare, like no social life basically because all I'm doing is working and doing school and working and doing school because I am very very uh, I'm very much a perfectionist so I have a 3.97 GPA <laughs> and it's kind of ridiculous and so all I've done for the past year and eight months two years is work that's all I've done. And so now that I'm done with school and I have a full-time job, it's amazing because I'm going to work five days a week and then I'm going to get two off. <laughs> which, it's amazing. It's which, great. Which is so weird to think about when you're getting out of school of doing less work when you're going to a full-time position. But it kind of echoes a lot of things. You know, I've interviewed tons of people now. Who knows how many people? And the people who 
do really well in the industry or in any industry they just work you know because they enjoy it and they they're good at it and when they eventually get to that point they end up working less somehow is kind of like the mantra i've always gotten which makes sense if you want to work for a publication like your lab neck maybe do a ton of work because that'll get you what you need to do um i <laughs> and I'm sure you've already got to do all sorts of crazy fun things with Jalabnik, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you said you wanted to be a broadcast broadcaster with NASCAR uh, ever I since did, yeah. seventh grade. Or, mm-hmm. So where did that come from? Like where? Let's let's go back to the you know uh, blossoming of your car enthusiasm. Where did it all start? <laughs> okay, so. This is about the weirdest story there is. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, uh, my mom was at a food show because she works for Cisco Food Services, so they sell food to restaurants. So she was at a food show, and she saw these guys who worked there, like, over in a corner, really secretive, looked like they were doing some kind of drug deal, which they weren't, of course, because <laughs> it was a work thing. But <laughs> they were super secretive, and it was weird. And so, of course... She figured there was free stuff over there because why else would they be so secretive? So my mom is very much like, if you have free stuff, I'm going to get in the middle of it. And so she just waltzes on over there and she's like, what do you got? What can you give me? And these guys were like, we have NASCAR tickets. And she said, oh, <laughs> okay, um, can I have some? <laughs> and so they ended up giving her three sets. So the Xfinity, then Nationwide Series. Uh, race and then the cup series race so we got three tickets to each and she brings these home and she goes I have some NASCAR tickets for a few weeks from now and my both my dad and I were just like oh my god that redneck stuff like that's that's what you want to go do that's what you got tickets to and she said hey it's free the recession just happened. Uh, it's 2009, and we don't have vacation money for this year. So if you want to go do something, we're going to go do that redneck stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so we thought, well, okay, if we're not going to go on vacation. Let's just go watch these cars go in circles. And so I get there, and we pull up to the track, and we walked in, and every racetrack pretty much in their merchandise uh, booth sells Dale Earnhardt Jr. stuff because why wouldn't you sell Dale Earnhardt Jr. stuff? And so my mom points at this Dale Earnhardt Jr. shirt and she goes, that's Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s son. And I said, who's Dale Earnhardt Sr.? (laughs) And she, oh my God, it was so bad because I had no clue who this guy was. And my mom was like, are you serious? You don't know the most famous NASCAR driver ever? And I was like, no. And so she started telling me about it. Then we went out into the stands, and one of the guys from the food show was sitting with us. And we watched these races. And as soon as these cars, like, got out onto the track, and they got going, and they took the green flag, it was amazing. It was the loudest thing. It shook the grandstands. And, I mean, you could smell the tires. You could smell the fuel, the pit crews. It's just everything was happening at once. And... These cars were going so fast, and it was never like that on TV, and I never picked up on that. And I was so taken aback by it that I was like, this is this is what I want to do. I've never known what I wanted to do when I grow up, but I want to do this. I know nothing about it, but I want to do it. 
<laughs> that's all that's all I know. I just wanted I want to be with these cars. And so we were leaving the track and my mom was trying to tell me some more about these cars and because I was I was literally a clueless like 12 year old or something in the seventh grade 11 I don't know how old I was in the seventh grade but I was clueless I knew nothing and she was telling me about these cars and she was like oh yeah they're all v8s and I so I said so so a car with four cylinders is a is a v4 and she was like oh my god are you serious are you like really serious right now and it was I was that clueless I I did not know anything and from that point forward I watched every single NASCAR race. I tried to observe every single thing I could about cars racing and learn every single thing I could. And by the time we went back to the next set of NASCAR races, the guy from the food show who was telling me all about what was going on at my first race was asking me what was going on because I knew that much at that point because all I did for months was just absorb this stuff. And that's, how it's been since the seventh grade. I mean, all I do is pay attention to cars. I haven't missed a NASCAR race since 2009. And <laughs> that's all I've done. And it's crazy because I got such a late start, such a late start. I knew nothing about cars. I was clueless. And here I am. <laughs> it, it's, it's fascinating to me that it's, you know, I don't think 11 to late start. I think that's an early-ish start. I don't know. I don't know. It was just, I was very behind, mm. is what I I was so behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, so your mom had a bit of background in it then, did she? Yes. She, she Was she a bit of a NASCAR fan, or what was? Like... Actually, no. Her dad raced midgets when she was little, and I actually never got to meet her dad, my grandfather. He actually got killed by a semi-truck when she was 13, so I never got to meet him, but he raced midgets, and he did local races all the time, and so my mom always had a love for cars. Uh, her first car was a Mustang, and she didn't wreck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> her first car was a Mustang. She's always loved cars. Um, ever since I was born, she's had uh, manual Miata. She had a five-speed for the longest time, and then it. she got to the point where it was having so many mechanical problems that she sold it to a guy who races Miatas, and she bought a 2008 six-speed. Mm-hmm. And so for as long as I've ever known, she's had the fun cars and all that stuff, and I didn't know for a long time that her dad was a racer, but she got her love for cars from him. Mm-hmm. And so... I just finally, like, I just hopped on the bus a little bit late, and she goes, oh, yeah, by the way, our family likes cars. And I was like, oh, well, cool. Now I know. <laughs> Thanks. So you're 11. You got a mom who drives a Miata, which uh-huh. is pretty badass. You're, you know, bringing that, you know, I've seen a mentality of just wanting to absorb every information and, like, be a bit perfectionist, like you said. Mm-hmm. So when it came to time for you to learn to drive did you learn to drive on that manual miata she wanted to teach me how to drive on um the miata but i was so stubborn when i was in high school because you're always stubborn when you're in high school that i actually had to learn on an automatic first because uh her five speed had a lot of trouble getting into second Mm. (laughs) so i would get so mad at it um so i actually learned on an automatic first 
but then I learned later, and we're both going to rally school on Saturday, and so <laughs> she's really excited because we're going to rally school. But yeah, oh, she, we couldn't do my my first car let well we did my first car lesson on a manual but actually learning how to drive the car I had to learn on an automatic I was too stubborn and mean and hateful <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school because aren't we all right mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like any teenager I've ever met no except for oh, all of them yeah you know what? yeah like except for all of them and she <laughs> she was so frustrated with me she's like okay I, I I give up you know what I tried I tried to teach you on a manual fine we'll just learn it later and I was like mom just let me learn how to dodge stuff before we go into the gears part okay <laughs> let me learn how to not hit stuff first <laughs> and so yeah we my first ever car lesson was on her 94 five speed in a huge parking lot and I was like uh, this is horrible this is horrible. <laughs> like sensory overload okay I'm like 14 15 years old here too many things going on and so it was it was very not enjoyable for her. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure she was like, I'm gonna have this connection. We're gonna learn learn to drive stick together. It's gonna be hilarious. It's, uh, <laughs> so what was your first car then? What was the uh, car you got when you uh, learned to drive? So, um, because she always had the fun cars, uh, and her her idea of a fun car is of course the manual Miata, but her idea of a a daily driver fun car is like a high performance sedan, right? Yeah. So right now she has a 2015 Genesis with a V8 in it, and I kind of hate it because it has all those safety warnings on it, and it's just miserable. And it has the adaptive cruise control, which is miserable because I just want to go fast. Um, <laughs> and so she always had the fancy, often gas guzzling uh, cars and the Miata. And so when it came time for me to get a car, the void to fill was the road trip car. And so she was like, okay, well, you're going to get a car with really great gas mileage, and we're going to buy it new so I don't have to deal with anything without warranty. So we ended up actually getting a Hyundai Elantra, a 2012, which gets like 40 miles to the gallon. So it was the perfect road trip car. And so that was, I got to fill the void of family cars. And I've actually had the Elantra for, what, six years now? And as bland of a car as it is, we we really have a connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get home from a drive and I'll get in my car and I'll go, you know, I really, I just really like you. Mm-hmm. Even though <laughs> you're my little road trip car, I really like you. But yeah, so mine got to fill the void, basically. Mm-hmm. There's something to that type of car being the first car that I really think is beneficial because mine was an 04 Saturn Ion. Uh-huh. Like, after a brief stint in a Mercury Tracer that my ex nun mm-hmm. aunt like destroyed anyway. So mm-hmm. there, it becomes almost like an old dog almost immediately where it's not fast it's not quick you don't, you're not going to go out and play with it on the weekend but it just does what you want it to do and it's always there you know what that's exactly how i feel about it and i actually i was reading a couple of studies i don't know like a year ago about if you've owned a car for more than five years on average like americans in general if you've owned a car for more than five years you get really really attached to it Mm-hmm. And I'm at that point where I'm just very, very attached. Like, it's just, it's my little Hyundai, and it's nothing special, and it's slow, but you know what? She tries, 
Yeah. You know, you stick your foot in the gas, and I mean, she tries to go fast. She doesn't go fast, but I mean, I can hear it trying. And when I get in my mom's Genesis, the big old V8, I mean, it's just not fun to drive on the street, you know, because it's an automatic, it's a V8. It's just, you tap the gas and you're going 60. And to me, like, I like when a car tries. <laughs> I like when a car tries. And so I just hate driving her Genesis because there's nothing to it, you know? It doesn't have much character. I get that there's no experience of acceleration. You're just immediately there. You're there. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why that's why I prefer something that's like a four-cylinder turbo, you know, for a street car. I, I mean, I just have a regular old four-cylinder, and it's really slow. But I would never want an automatic V8 as a street car because it's just – it's so boring. Now, if you could take that on a track somewhere, fine. But if I'm in a 45-mile-an-hour speed limit, what am I doing with it? It's so boring. Like, I had the DB11 out um, a few weeks ago, and it was, like, it was super fun to get up to speed, but then I had to just slow it back down to zero to have any more fun again. So, it's just, I don't know. I, I prefer when my car tries. <laughs> That's a, you know, hot take there. Hyundai Elantra, better streetcar than a DB11. I'm, I'm not sure how many people would agree with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm not sure. No, it doesn't totally equate. I mean, I'd trade up. (laughs) But uh, I definitely prefer my Elantra to the Genesis. I'll say that because I just hate having all those safety. uh, I hate having all those safety cues. Like, it, it beeps really, 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 really loudly if you turn on the turn signal and there's someone next to you or in your blind spot. You can't even turn on the turn signal. And it just, like, it just goes, wah, 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 and you're like, oh. I'm sorry. What did I do wrong? I just I like having a basic car, kind of. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It doesn't yell at me. There, there is. A, I think James May said it. Where like the connection you get with a base vehicle is much more visceral than the connection you get with like a you know new modern sports car. Simply because yeah. there's nothing between you and the like wheels, basically. It's like I I totally get that and I totally agree with that because yeah I mean I just don't want all the fancy stuff I guess mm-hmm. it's just not my style I would rather not pay for it because like when we were doing the Mercedes E Class drive all of the stuff in the manual like you're not gonna get to all of that because there's so there are so many features and it's like. <laughs> You have all these features that are just sitting around because you don't know that they're there or you don't think to use them. Yeah, I'm very curious because most Mercedes E-Class buyers, I would put in the realm of um, don't know how a cell phone works. Like probably are the sort of people who ask. Why are you going to give them a car that has like 200 features that they're never going to touch ever? <laughs> ever. And so it's just it seems like such a waste to me. I would just rather have I would rather I want buttons on my radio. I don't want a touch screen radio. I just want I want what's gonna get me from A to B in my car. I don't want all these different features. It's crazy. On the touch screen radio though, I, I have to agree with you because I've been driving my little Ford Fiesta ST, has a little mm-hmm. touch screen radio in it, and twice now in the last two months the Radio decides it's just going to stop working altogether. Oh, God, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. on the way back from 
from New York to D.C., like an hour into that trip, that's not where you want to have no radio and no ability to charge your cell phone. Not oh, pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, my mom's Genesis, within a week of buying it, the radio just went pitch black. Oh. Pitch black. <laughs> and, I mean, what are you going to do? But my radio, uh, I mean, I'm fine. I got my buttons, and I'm good. And I could have had a touchscreen radio because it was going to be mom's travel car, you know, for the family. So she was okay with it. But I just, when I went in there, I started messing with it. I was like, you know what? I don't like this. I just want, I want buttons. I want it to be tangible. I don't want to just poke at things. I can do that on my iPhone. So not a fan of self-driving cars then, I'm going to guess? <sighs> they are very freaky. Have you ever, have you been in ones where you just let it kind of take control? Like the E-Class isn't self-driving, of course, but you can let it control the throttle and you can let it control the wheel. It is very, it's scary the first time. No, I don't it's, trust it. <laughs> oh my God. It's really scary. I I shouldn't have, but uh, I was sitting there letting it drive and I like took a video of myself really scared. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't include that part, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was really freaky because uh you just you don't know how much to trust it and with the e-class like it has areas that it can't sense and so when a car merges it at least when we drove it the sensors could not pick up a car merging and so we let that car get as close as it possibly could to ours without hitting it before we hit the brakes because the car couldn't sense it merging and it's like how many how many things can you leave out to where it's dangerous like even if you even if you leave out a sensor that would be used only in a super rare wreck if you left it out and i'm not controlling the car and it wrecks then it wrecked you know yeah it's just ah <laughs> you just there are so many bases to cover that it's it's a struggle for me to let a car take over yeah. it is a struggle <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good way to put it is like most crashes are human error mm -hmm. and that's you know what it is but when it comes to designing and implementing a vehicle and a self-driving mm -hmm. system there's still a human component to that so when oh, it yeah. comes down to the vehicle crashing like in my mind i'd rather the human error be my own than someone forgetting exactly. a sensor somewhere yeah exactly and me i can i can deal with a little bit of autonomy but when we start getting into AI and, like, machine learning, then I get on my, like, Terminator platform, and I'm like, They're, the machines are taking over. This is it. We're done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't like AI. <laughs> don't like AI at all. The Internet can hear you. They're, they're learning. Like, it's, it's Skynet. It's Skynet. <laughs> like, Skynet can hear me always. And you know what? Those cars are going to be Skynet. And when it's over, everybody's going to wish they listened to me. Uh, it's uh, I think Adam Kroll's got a good joke with like self-driving cars, you know the self-driving apocalypse. That the cars are going to lock uh -huh. their doors and they're just going to drive everyone into a lake, and then we're uh -huh. all done. You know, yep. Isn't that going to be horrible? Isn't that going to be horrible? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be. That, oh my goodness! Yeah, that is my that is my nightmare. <laughs> Skynet taking over. Mm -hmm. That's it. They thought they were going to nuke us. It turns out they just got us with the cars. Um, yeah, I, just the cars. <laughs> It, it, it's such a weird place to be in, like, as a journalist, I'm sure, as a consumer, as a, like, enthusiast to be, like, at this crossroads where you can kind of see where the future wants to go 
and like mm-hmm. where we're coming from and it, it's I don't know it's such a weird place like would you ever since you kind of got into this via the racing standpoint would you ever watch self-driving race cars see when they announced that robo race um or as the formula e support series it's just it was so weird to me because to me when you watch people racing you have to be connected with the people inside of the car and if it's just a bunch of machines racing it's super cool that all these engineers are feeding algorithms to these cars but if i can't see that and i can't interact with that and i can't make a connection with the vehicles that are on track i mean where's my interest there you know yeah like and so that that's my biggest problem like when they announced robo race i was like how am i supposed to be connected to this what how am i supposed to relate to this and I'm just not sure. I'm really not sure. I think it would be interesting if they, like, blew each other up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm all for that, yeah. I know, right? But that would be kind of wasteful. <laughs> but I, I, think there's, I think there's use in it. I think there's practical use in it. And I think, I think manufacturers and engineers can benefit from it because of testing these self-driving cars in such harsh conditions, just like, I mean, NASCAR was back in the day. You test your stuff in harsh conditions. But I just don't see it from an entertainment standpoint doing very well. Mm. Well, speaking of being connected to the racing, and um, you recently got a wonderful tour of, I believe it was the Circuit of Americas on the back of a motorcycle. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> I, I there seems to be a weird connection of like editors from Jalopnik coming on the show after recently having the shit scared out of them by race car drivers. So we had Patrick George on the first time right after that like Camaro thing. So oh yeah, that was fun. Patrick and his Camaro. Patrick. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, was it the scariest thing you've ever done? I mean, yes, yeah. it was the most terrifying thing in the world. And the thing was, so we got this email inviting us to do it. And Patrick responds right away. Okay. Just right away. And says, I volunteer Atlantis. And I was like, <laughs> Oh crap, come on. But, um, I hadn't gotten a full-time job yet. I was still looking for a job. Patrick was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hire you. Like, it's not really up to me at this point. I was like, Oh my God, if I get on the back of this bike, and I don't die, and I do this, you have to hire me. Like, there's no way you can't. But, of course, that wasn't, like, the deal. But I thought, okay, if I can prove myself, maybe this will maybe this will work for me. I don't know. But I was scared to death. And I was like, God dang it, Patrick, why did you do this? Why did you do this to me? And so I was like, okay, I'll go. Woohoo! Yay, love bikes. And I actually, I broke one of my arms on a bike when I was little. Um... My friend knocked me off of a bike when I was, I think, four, and I shattered my elbow. So I was never able to get back on an actual bike without hyperventilating because I never learned how to ride when I was little. I was on training wheels when that happened, and the memory was just there, and so I never was able to learn how to ride a bike. And so I'm okay with riding passenger and stuff, but I was like, oh, great, like, my the bane of my existence bikes two-wheeled things and very 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 fast on a racetrack this sounds like a blast right yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
So like, like a fear factor of skit. Like we hear you're afraid of bikes, so here you go. Here's a motorcycle. Uh-huh, right. Yeah, it was awful. And so we get there, and I wore all black because I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sweat myself to death on this thing, and I just I don't want to have I don't want to have that embarrassment on top of being scared to death. And so I get there, and they put me in leathers right away and those leathers are hot of course and they're like oh you're not getting on the bike for another hour but we want you to experience what it's like to be on at the track on race day and experience how hot these leathers are for the hour leading up into the race and i was like well i didn't sign up for that (laughs) and then i like had to go to the bathroom and i was like dang it (laughs) i guess i'm just gonna have to go figure this out because these leathers are stiff and so I just, like, I stalled, and I, like, went to the bathroom, because I was like, it's better if I go to the bathroom before I get really scared on the back of this bike. (laughs) (laughs) So, I went second, because I actually, I had to go to class um, after this, so I had class at 2.30, and this ride was at, like, 1 at Circuit of the Americas, and so I went second, and I was scared to death. I saw how fast the writer Chris Ulrich was going with the first guy and I was like oh no oh no 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 I no no I'm gonna back out I can't do this I can't do this and they showed us we had to hold on to a handle on the gas tank and I was like oh okay so I'm holding on for the sake of my life onto a handle on the gas tank um this all sounds really lovely and foolproof and this is gonna work super well Yeah, totally, going super fast, Uh uh-huh, and so they told us uh, that the guy riding, Chris, he had a perfect safety record over, like, 970 riders on the back, they were like, it's okay, this guy has had people who are 6'5 on the back, and all this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, but that's not me, (laughs) (laughs) that's not me, what if something happens to me, and So I get on the back of this bike, and I grab these handles, and he starts accelerating, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we're going into this turn, we're going to this turn, we're going, oh, my, no, 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 we're going too fast, and he's going to have to slow down, because the first turn at Circuit of the Americas is ridiculous, it's that left-hand turn that's super sharp, and so every time Chris, the rider, was under braking, he would brake so hard, because we were going so fast, that your butt comes off of the back seat. (laughs) So you're sitting here holding on to this handle, and your butt it feels like it's four feet in the air when it's really not. Like, I mean, it's just a little bit in the air. But your butt's on the back of the seat, your feet are slipping off of the foot pegs, and you're just holding on by your arms. And you kind of think about it, and you go, you know what? If I, if my hands let go, that, that would be the end of me. Um, that would suck. (laughs) And the lean angles were so extreme that when I had a second to look down when we were going super fast, like through the S's or whatever, I looked down and I was like, oh my God, oh, oh, the racetrack's right there. Oh, the racetrack's right there. And I would just look right back up. And every time he was under braking, I would go, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, I really hope he can't hear me because this bike is really fast and he's got earplugs in because it's loud. But every time he was under braking, me on the back of that bike 
out loud was going, no, 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 no. And he was like, if you ever just, if you ever want to stop, like you can tap out, just tap your, tap your elbows against me and we'll stop. And I was like, don't do it, Alanis, don't do it. You can't give up. You can't give up. And we came around after the first lap, which the first lap was jarring. First lap was so horrible because I mean, I won't say it. Okay, yeah, it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> because Circuit of the Americas is 3.4 miles long, a little bit longer than that. And so here I am, have been on this bike for almost four miles and have been on these extreme lean angles. And, I mean, it's one thing to control a vehicle around a racetrack or on the street or anything. It is another thing to ride along. <laughs> it's a completely different thing. And so we finished this first lap, and he pops a wheelie on the front straight. He pops his wheelie. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, just going through my head, there are two people on this bike, and there is one wheel on the ground. And it is going very, 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 very fast. It's like, uh, uh, this does not add up well. Like, this, no, my math says this is bad. My math says this is very, very bad. And... Then I was like, oh, my God, we have another lap. I have to do that all over again. And I somehow survived. I I did it. But I got off that bike, and I was just – I was laughing in denial because I – it was just – I realized my own mortality. <laughs> my body was shaking. And then I had to go cl to class all sweaty and disgusting, and I smelled like motorcycles. And <laughs> – it was really bad. <laughs> I like the fact that you had to go to class after that. That's like the icing on the top of the cake for me. It's <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even get to change because we had to leave, and my fiancé was there, and he was actually – he recorded part of it, uh, and he ran from one turn to the other. And so I had to go find him before I could drive back to class, and I had to drop him off because he was uh, working at a track meet. And so I had to drop him off and then go to my parking garage and then run to class, which was on the other side of campus. And I get there and I'm in the same clothes that I was on this motorcycle in and like just covered in sweat and I'm just gross. But I made it to class, right? Yep. Got to keep up that 3.9. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Something it, like that. Is there a race series that you would like to do less than that? at all or is that like the worst possible one for you in the best possible way i guess you know yeah like in the best possible way is really a great way to put it because when i was there for moto gp a couple of weeks later it was just it's amazing how much respect you have for those people because you're like seriously you are nuts <laughs> um and so yeah i i mean in the best possible way is just a great way to put it uh, but yeah, no, that's definitely the worst. Yeah, that's the worst thing ever. <laughs> you know, I would rather do anything. I went out for the Vulcan track day a couple of weeks later at Circuit of the Americas, and they didn't, um, the people, the PR people working with Aston Martin, they didn't tell us when to get there in order to drive on the track because we were going to be able to drive the DB11s on the track. And they didn't have a specified time, and by the time they decided it, they didn't tell us, and so I missed that window. But they let one of the drivers take me out in a V12 Vantage, so I didn't get to drive it. 
but I went out in it, and the guy driving was like, yeah, that was really crazy, huh? And I was like, no, uh-uh, not at all. No, that was literally like being on a freaking carousel. Mm. Like, like, like you don't know crazy. I came from crazy. <laughs> like, I've been there, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. I know what I, I know what crazy is. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. It was it was literally riding a carousel was what that was like. And so he was just so hurt. He was so hurt and I was like, Nah, like you ain't got nothing, dude. No. It's, it's like you get out of the insane asylum and someone's like <laughs> acting funny and someone goes, That guy's nuts, isn't he? Like, no, no, you don't know what nuts is. No, no, no. You got no clue, my friend. Mm-hmm. And oh man, like I just hurt that poor guy's feelings, but <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> Well, I'm curious. Are you familiar with sidecar racing? Yes. Oh my god, and I've heard that's really I've heard that's really scary, but even one of my friends who told me he's ridden in that before, he was like that like I would much rather do that than be on the back of that bike. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never been in one of those. Thank God, cuz I I've, I've had my I've had my meetings with death enough for the year. And like I'm good. You, you filled the quota. <laughs> well, what then? I imagine you would love to do a ride along in NASCAR. I've done actually. I did one when I was younger. Uh, my mom won a thing from her job back when I was still oh probably 14 or 15, and I was just really obsessed with learning about everything at the time. And she actually won one from her job, so I got to do that. Oh. Uh, I was actually pretty, pretty young, but yeah, I did get to do that. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't anything compared to that bike. <laughs> I'll tell you that, nothing. <laughs> I'm sure it was exhilarating though at the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the G force is nuts, <laughs> but man, it was it was a Sunday drive compared to that bike. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, changing changing of gears here completely. That I'm very curious about. I, I want to get to this question for sure. So I, I asked this. I was trying to think like I need to come up with a unique question for you here, and I think I came up with the best possible one. So for those of you who are listening who do not know, um, I would say you are obsessed with cats. Is a fair way yes. to put it. That's right. a very fair way to put it. And, and you you own a couple. I so, own three. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say own. I picked them up from the street. They were free. <laughs> they just wandered into the house one day. They were, you know, it happens. I mean, my door is always open for the cats. So if, people. <laughs> if your cats were cars, what cars would they be? Okay, so I, I took some time to think about this one today. And I came up with, I, I think, the most fitting answers possible. So, um... My first, well, actually not my first street cat, but my first cat I actually picked up by my own hands off of the street was Portia about a year ago uh, today. Like, it was it was like June of 2016. She was in somebody's garage, and this cat was literally three inches long. She was the tiniest thing. And so I just plucked her out of this garage, and I had a cat named Brutus already. And so Brutus from Julius Caesar was married to Portia. So Portia's actually Portia Jr. because she's way too young um, to be married to my old cat. And so her name is Portia so that we can fit the Shakespeare theme. Um, and so I was thinking about Portia and I was like, well, of course, Portia's going to be a Portia, right? Well, obviously, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but she was, I think she was left behind on the street because she was the runt. And she's very, very weird. So if Portia were going to be a Portia, she would be a 914. Oh, I get uh-huh. that. That's a good one. Yeah, little uh-huh. small car. Yeah, she's, she's very odd. She's going to be small for life. Um, she has very, very small front legs and very small back legs. And the only part about her that's big is her stomach. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she's very, very odd. So I felt that the 914 was very fitting. So I, she would be a 914. Oddball car for an oddball cat. It, it's, it's. You've, you did put a lot of thought into this. I'm impressed. I did. I did. Man, I, I just went through I went through the possibilities, and I matched my cat up, my cats up with the best possible part. <laughs> then my other one is Brutus. So he's the 11-year-old. The other two are less than a year old, both of them. And, I mean, he just gets so mad because he was like, I was the king of the house, and you brought in these, these street cats, and now I have these two young wild things running around. So he's very cranky. Um <laughs> So if Brutus were to be a car, he would be an Alpha Julia because he seems all great on the surface. He seems like a very, very good cat, but he has some real reliability issues <laughs> because he's kind of mean sometimes and he's a bit leaky and um, he just he does hateful things. And so he has his reliability issues. But you know what? On the surface, he seems all right. Mm-hmm. It- so he- Julia. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty good. Like, you can't help but love him, even though really probably terrible to own. No. Exactly. Because he is terrible to own, but man, I love him. Just like an Alpha Julia, right? Yeah, that is that is perfect. I, I am thoroughly <laughs> impressed. I did not think I would agree with you as much as I am at the moment. <laughs> and then my third cat is my little Sam. So, Brutus and Portia are both black with green eyes. And then... We found this little orange cat on the street when he was a baby, too. So he was really little, and his name is Sam. And the my fiancé and my mother named him because I wanted to stick with the Julius Caesar names, you know, or the Shakespeare in general names. And that went out the window because they chose his name. But anyway, Sam, Sam is very bad. And Sam is super cute, but all he does all day is open cabinets and drag stuff out and destroy things. And so Sam would be a Mustang (laughs) because passerby think like, oh, he's really cute or, oh, that's a really cool car of yours or, oh, great cat, you know, but all he does is destroy everything in his path. (laughs) Just running over crowds or in this case, just tipping over stuff. Yep. Pulling pans out of cabinets and stuff all day. Mm -hmm. And so Sam is, destructive and sam would be a mustang <laughs> he can't help but be destructive just like mustang hunters can't help but run over crowds it, exactly I, exactly so i'm giving him a pass right mm-hmm. you can't help bit. it it's just in your nature that that's you know <laughs> it's in his blood it's yeah. in his blood you know and mm-hmm. so there are my cats i have a 914 i have a julia and i have a mustang Mm-hmm. That, that that would be a good garage. And so. <laughs> it would be a really unique garage. That's what it would be. And hopefully the Mustang wouldn't wreck the other two because that would be bad, right? Yeah. Or did Julia expo- catch on fire and take out the oh other two? Oh, my God. And just set the other two on fire. Yeah. yeah. Brutus seems like, yeah, he would definitely, whatever the cat equivalent to setting on fire, that sounds like Brutus to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I... I 
Let's see here. So we talked a bit. I'm going to my little questions here, but my little note thing is like giving me a little issue at the moment. Um, oh, okay. So um, I'm curious about this one too. So if you, you know, you're the weekend editor, you're a new staff writer, you, mm-hmm. Warren Buffett decides in his infinite wisdom that he's just going to <laughs> come out and give you like, I want to hear your ultimate story. So here's an unlimited budget. Go out and do whatever it is you want to do that's somewhat automotive related for a story. You know, I was thinking about this and for a long time, what I've really, really, really been wanting to do is just travel the United States and write about ghost tracks because I don't know if you've seen, but I really like writing about ghost tracks. Yes, I have seen. (laughs) (laughs) Just old tracks that have been abandoned and are now being basically overgrown with weeds and things like that. I love writing about those tracks because it just, to go to one gives you the strangest feeling. Like at, on one end you feel, it feels really cool and nostalgic and just amazing to see. And on the other end, you're just like, this is the saddest thing in the world, right? Because people used to come out here and they used to watch cars race every Friday, Saturday, even on the weekdays. You know, and that just that just stopped. And here this track is just like rotting into the earth, you know. And so I really, really enjoy doing that. And right now I just kind of have to use my own resources to go to tracks that are nearby. And I guess when I travel for Jalopnik, if there's a track nearby, I'll go drive to it and take photos of it to use on the story. But if I had an unlimited budget, I would love to go around and do different mediums of stories about these tracks. Like I would love to sit down with these people like on video who went and just watched these tracks, who went and raced at them and do like documentaries because these people are fascinating. A lot of the times they're, they're older because I mean, they went to races in the sixties and seventies and things like that. And they just have these stories just, just amazing stories and you just meet the most interesting characters and the emotion in their voices I hope is conveyed through my writing because I just I wish people would hear these people saying this stuff because it's it's amazing how connected they are to a place and yeah if I had an unlimited unlimited budget I would absolutely love to just travel and do all of these different mediums of stories about these different tracks just so I could catch all these different angles because it's just fascinating to me and my thing is with these old ghost tracks is that there's such little information about them online that once the people who went to these tracks and who raced at these tracks once they're gone I mean all these all of their stories are going to be gone too yeah you can find like Longhorn Speedway you can't find you can barely find any information about it online. A lot of the stuff I had to find, I had to dig from newspaper archives that didn't give me much information, but helped me piece together some of the facts. But all the rest was just people telling me stuff. And once those people aren't around to tell me stuff, and that's that's it. It's just this old track that's just crumbling. It, it, I am fascinated by that. Didn't you have someone tell you to... F off, basically, in one book. <laughs> Jesse James? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 
the rumor is that when um, Sandra Bullock and Jesse James were married, she purchased Longhorn Speedway for him because, I mean, he's into motorcycles. He has West Coast choppers and all that stuff. I think that's his. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't pay much attention to Jesse James. No. But No one else does either. It's not 2005 yeah. anymore. Oh. Yeah, right. Um, and so <laughs> that was the rumor. And um, I went through all the public records, and celebrities are really good about when they purchase property and when they purchase things. They're really good about making the public records confusing because they're celebrities and they have that ability. And so everything leads to Sandra Bullock owning it and still owning it pretty much. But I could not get confirmation from Sandra's PR people. I could not get confirmation from them, even though, I mean, everything leads to her still owning it. Um, and so I was like, well, you know what? As a last-ditch effort, I will try Jesse James. But I somehow, I guess, I was just buried in schoolwork. I missed Jason Torchinsky's thing about Jesse James and the Beatle and the Nazi stuff. <laughs> and I missed that blog. And so... When I emailed Jesse James, he got back to me in like two minutes, like two minutes. Yeah. And yeah, that was that was his message. And I was like, OK, have a nice day. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so that was basically it. I was like, dude, I was just asking you a question. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to put a Nazi spin on it, but <laughs> just gonna keep it like that. Maybe I will. Yeah. The, the fact that you have that they're in the conversation that you have with Jesse James where you could possibly have an outcome where you're like, listen, I won't put a Nazi spin on this is kind of damning in and of itself, I would say. Right? Like, all I, like, I responded to his email and I was like, look, that was not malicious in any way. I literally just asked you a question. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Chill out, my friend. But you know what? If anybody wants to email him, you can find his email address online. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because like, a lot of people I get to interview on the show are not very good at protecting their email address. And that's a great way to get people on the show. Like, how'd you find this? It was on the Internet. Like, it was on the Internet. You know what? Like, your email's on the Internet. And, mm. you know, I get plenty of emails from the Internet, so Jesse James may as well, too, right? Yeah, why not? Um why not? So, uh, since we're kind of at time here, I want to uh, ask sure. you a series of questions. No, I, I could talk to you all night, I, I'm, I'm sure, but I, I want to ask you a series of questions here about, um, since this is the podcast of record, we like okay. to, you know, ask the important questions here. So, uh, your fellow compatriot, uh, Freddie Hernandez, kind of pointed out that I need to kind of you know, prime these with these are the answers in the moment because, you know, our opinions as car people change sometimes day by day. So, God, okay, okay. I'm not very good at things on the spot, but I'm, I'm ready. All right. Um, well, these are some easy like ones for you. So, uh, what is your favorite car? Oh my God. You know, I keep thinking like somebody's going to ask me that and I'm not going to have an answer because I feel like I haven't driven my favorite car yet. Is that weird? No, that's not. That's not. Is that weird? That, that's a I, good feeling that you don't know what you want until you meet it. But and I don't want to tell you like this is my favorite car if I haven't driven it, <laughs> because how can I know that? But I just I don't feel like I've driven my favorite car yet. 
as oh. weird as that is. Okay, well let me let me uh, change this up then a bit. What is the favorite car you've driven then? Oh, favorite car I've driven. Um, I'm gonna be boring and probably say my mom's six speed. <laughs> favorite car I've driven. That's Dem- a Mazda six speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a Miata six yeah. speed. Um, but yeah, just because most of my time I've spent just watching cars and i've of course started driving more since i got with jalopnik but i've been on weekends for so long that i haven't gotten to do a lot of our reviews yet is Mm. the thing and so i haven't been one who's been handed cars a lot yet but hey now that i'm full-time i get more cars right yeah um but yeah, I would I would definitely say I like my mom's Miata because it's just it's close to home and I just I like it because it reminds me of my mom's love for cars. Oh. And I mean I've, I've driven a DB11, but you know, it's just I mean, you can only get so interesting when you're a V12 automatic, you know? It's basically <laughs> Ford Fusion, let's be real. Uh- <laughs> Probably. Yeah. All right, then. So, what's your least favorite car? Oh, God. Oh, my God. A Dodge Journey. <laughs> oh, did, my God. That did not take any time at all. Dodge Journey. They're the worst cars in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them so much. I, um, I had to have a rental last year because I actually wrecked my poor little Elantra. Which but, is very expensive to fix. Um, <laughs> and that's how everyone ends up in a Dodge journey, by the way, because that's how I ended up in one. So. Oh, my God. They're awful. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> I, I had a 2016 rental, and it was it was white, and it looked like a milk truck. And so every time I drove it, my fiancé and my mom were like, oh, you're driving the milk truck. And I was like, oh, my God, kill me. Kill me. I hate this thing. And the, the row of seats in the back is so tall that you can't see out of the back. And it's like, I was driving it, and I was like, this is such a bad car. It just feels so bad. The transmission feels awful. It's like, I was at a stoplight, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to floor it, and I'm going to see how this transmission feels. And it was like, every time it shifted gears, it was like this jolt right it was awful it felt like i was lurching through time (laughs) oh it was just oh my god it was such a bad car it was such a bad car i just have horrible memories of it that that, i agree 100 percent with everything you said having given one it i hate those i hate all like terrible dodge like because dodge is the best at making terrible cars and, you know, it's like I cannot trust a Dodge now. Like, you can give me your Hellcat. You can tell me it's fast. You can do whatever. But I don't trust you because mm-hmm. you made that journey. Mm-hmm. We know what you did. The, the Avengers worse in terms of transmission, just in case you're curious. Oh, it, my God. It, it, you could put a gearbox in between each gear in that car. Oh, my God. I, I just hate everything. <laughs> I hate everything, really, just hearing that. I, oh, <laughs> so bad. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I really can't trust anything Dodge makes at this point because that was just awful. Mm -hmm. It was, it was terrible and it just scarred me. (laughs) (laughs) I got scarred on bikes and scarred on Dodges. I get it. You know, pretty normal. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't blame you on either one. So 
what is your favorite modification trend? So this could be something you find yourself kind of attracted to and you don't know why, or maybe you don't like hate it as much as you hate everything else. So we're talking like stance, bro dozer, truck nuts, like any, like eyelashes on cars, anything like that. You know, I mean, I really, I dig people who stance their cars just because I'm like, how do you do it? How do you, how do you actually do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because it's like, seriously, like, how do you drive on a street with a stanced car? Like, you have to be really careful. Especially have... in Austin. I, I, I've been down there. I've seen those roads. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, you know, if you're willing to do that and you have the confidence in yourself to stance your car, you stance it. And I'm happy for you. But, man, how? <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say stancing. Mm-hmm. Okay, then same question in reverse. What is your least favorite automotive trend? Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know. Um, What's super obnoxious? I'm trying to think. I really, I hate lifted trucks. Mm, like? lifted trucks. Like super high lifted trucks. I live in Texas. Yeah, the bro dozers, so- yeah. Yeah, a lifted truck is like a monster truck in Texas, and it's like, your truck is three times the size of my vehicle, and it weirds me out. And I also, I hate when trucks have trailers on the back, like they're they're carrying livestock or something, and their mirrors are so long, I hate the way it looks. And that's just a very, like, that's a very weird pet peeve, but it's a Texas thing. And we also have we have people in Texas who have these giant trucks, and they get the halo headlights that uh, change color, like yeah. rainbow-colored halo headlights, and it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, swangers are not. My fiancé was just like, what about swangers? Because they're very big in Texas. They're, they're a Houston thing. They're a Houston thing. And so, oh, yeah, those are pretty bad, too. Oh, my God, those wheels. Ugh. So there are a lot of things I don't like, and it's pretty much because of Texas. I mean, I get it. I, I've been there. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's the people around you that you really learn to hate because the people you know the best are the people you, you end up hating the most, I think. I know, right? Like when you have roommates, you're just like, I can't stand you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Please leave. Yeah, that's how it is with these car trends. Like if you're around me. <laughs> You'd probably get on my nerves. And we don't have many stance vehicles in Texas that I know of, so there we go. All right, so what is the car then you dread to be stuck behind at a red light? Oh, oh, my God. Um, Any boring sedan or compact car I get really worried about because I'm like, you're going to be so slow. And I just try to avoid it. Like, if there's a Camry in one lane and there's not in the other, I'm like, mm, go into the other lane. <laughs> um, or like a Corolla, oh God, go into the other lane. Anything but a Camry, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah, because, I mean, you're going to make a freaking dent in my car, you know? I don't want that. Uh, yeah, any, any of the boring, really, really boring four doors i'm like no 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 don't want to be behind you you're gonna be slow (laughs) you don't care about your car because you didn't buy an interesting one so therefore you don't care about driving exactly and i don't want you near me exactly so (laughs) what automotive sound or noise do you love Mm. oh man 
God, I would say 40 stock cars taking the green at a NASCAR race. Mm. That is that is a good one. What, oh my god! Yeah. What is the automotive sound or noise you hate? Oh, um, probably a blown engine at a racetrack. It's just so depressing. So, in the world of automotive, like mm-hmm. we're talking, like from washing the cars to, you know, head of GM. Mm-hmm. What profession, other than you know, being a journalist, would you like to try? Oh, well, you know, I count, I count NASCAR TV reporters. I kind of, I don't count them totally as journalists because they have, of course, paychecks that they need signed by the entities that they report about. So does that count? I would say that counts. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a racing broadcaster. Mm-hmm. On, on that note, can you answer, I was driving through the South years ago mm-hmm. and I was listening to a radio station, and all that was happening on the radio station, I swear, I thought it was, um, like, redneck bingo, but I was, like, driving down, like, scanning through the AM station, and, like, be like, 12, and, like, click, like, <laughs> 34, like, click, like, what the hell is going on? It's... I have no clue. <laughs> Someone explained it to me that they were calling in to talk about, like, who their favorite NASCAR driver was, but it was, You're like... That's amazing. It was just like, like 54 click, like, whoo, like. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's the best thing in the world. I get a really big kick out of true deep south redneck activities, and that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. But I have no clue what that, like, I've, I listen to Sirius XM because Texas is just like country music capital of everything, yeah. and I just cannot stand country music. And so I just have my XM on, and if I can't find anything I like on XM, I listen to my Zumba music because I'm a Zumba instructor, and I like Latin dancing. <laughs> so you're not getting to like, and here we got Cletus from Birmingham, 16, oh like click. Like, oh. <laughs> that's amazing, though. That's ama- As long as they're not singing country music, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what profession other than journalism would you like to try? Or would you least want to try? I'm sorry, I misread like, would you be the worst at, you think? Huh? Oh, what I least want to try. Um, uh, probably, like, probably being a kindergarten teacher. I think <laughs> I'm really bad at that because I just, my people are cats, not children. Um, my, ch- my cats are my children because I'm not the best with human children. Mm-hmm. So... Probably, I probably would get frustrated as a kindergarten teacher. That makes sense. Um, and then I struggle. I'm like, what do I say back to you? Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the news? Uh, I don't know. Do you read the news? <laughs> uh, no, probably not because you're five. So what do I talk about? <laughs> so blue, huh? Yeah, blue crazy. I mean, come on now. That's a crazy color. <laughs> It's a wild color. Yeah. Totally wild. Oh, God. Yeah, no. I, I really struggle thinking of what to say. <laughs> <laughs> so then this is this is something new. We started the last episode. And okay. So you got a choice here. You got to drive one of the following for the rest of your life as your vehicle. Oh, God. You can have a stanced out Dodge Journey. No. <laughs> or you can have your mother's Mazda Miata 
but it's been turned into a lifted road dozer with giant mirrors. Oh my god. Oh my god, I think I would die. Um, okay, I would have to go with the lifted Miata because I would rather take, like, I would rather go over bumps and be okay with my life, and I would rather not have to worry about any kind of ruts in the road or anything like that. And you know what? If I've got a weird off-roader lifted Miata, then that's going to get some people talking, but that Dodge Journey won't. <laughs> this is this is true. Uh, but scrape the Dodge Journey, which would, I mean, like, show it how I felt about it. Yeah, you could run over to Dodge Journey with the uh, Miata. Well, there we go. Yeah, that that is the only time that sentence has ever been uttered by a man. That, that is crazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sold. I so, definitely run over the journey with the Miata. So, uh, this is the last question for the evening, but I saved the okay. most important one for last. I do think, I do think it is the most important question ever asked by a automotive interviewer, maybe by any interviewer ever. So. Oh, man. Um, I hope you thought long and hard about this question. Um, what is the hardest food to eat while driving? Man, I read this one and I was struggling. Uh, maybe yogurt. No. I'm not, yeah, I'm not like a, I'm not an eating while driving person. And I would say yogurt's the hardest thing I've eaten while driving just because I don't eat much while driving. Are you familiar with a product called Gogurt? Yeah, but no, but like I eat Greek yogurt because actual yogurt is filled with sugar and like Greek yogurt with granola. And, you know, if you've got the granola on top of the yogurt in the cup and I really like granola, so it kind of overflows. And so if you got the overflowing granola and then you've got the yogurt under it and then the granola is trying to spill and then you're trying to use a spoon and then, you know, it's just it's hard. (laughs) I'm trying to get with you on this, and I really just can't. Uh, <laughs> Do you not eat granola on your yogurt? Well, I don't eat yogurt that's Greek. It's cause... like a yogurt cup. It's yeah. like a Greek yogurt cup, and then you've got granola on it. And, like, my granola ends up being, like, a mountain because I really like granola. And so it just it kind of comes to a point at the top. And, like, imagine having a little cup. And like a bunch of little yogurt flakes, not yogurt flakes, granola flakes, and you're trying to balance them, and you've got a spoon, and you've got the yogurt cup, and it's like, there's a lot going on. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of with you, because there are those granolas, which are like, you bite into them, and they basically just become flying shrapnel. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, and this like... This isn't granola that comes with the yogurt. Like, this is from a box, and I mean, I took I took my liberty, and I pour it, you know, and I pour as much as I want, and that's usually a lot. Um, and so, I mean, it's trying to fly everywhere, and you're trying to drive, and you've got a utensil, and you've got a cup, and you've got granola. It's hard. I, I, I want to give you points on this one, but I, I just, I'm, I'm thinking the granola is a little bit more of the pain than the yogurt itself, so maybe I'll give you some points on that. I'm, I, Granola. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like the, okay, like the, the the crazy like hippie granola that you like bite into and like turns into like a like fragmentation grenade. That's up there because that's just messy. That's yeah. me. 
right there. <laughs> all I eat is like yogurt and granola, basically. So that's mm. all my experience is. It's just that granola. Mm-hmm. I like granola. Because because <laughs> the everyday driver guy said uh, Kit Kat just because of like the hidden chocolate mess from breaking the bars. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But mm-hmm. if you keep it in the if you keep it in the package and you're holding the package, you should be okay, right? That's a good point. They didn't not they... breaking it with your hands, just like eat it from the package. But I hate doing that because I like breaking things before I eat them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like eating a banana straight. Like I like breaking the banana and eating the piece. You know, and so like I feel that, but at the same time, you just got to do what's practical, and you can't break the granola. Mm-hmm. It's just there, and there's a lot of it when you're me. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some bonus points for the granola, but I'm, I'm... <laughs> half a point. <laughs> Your answer was half okay. I, I, I think, I think that's going on the non-existent leaderboard I have that I really need to make <laughs> one day. Like that's not gonna be up near the top, but that, that's. That, that's a good one. That would have been an early contender early on because that's messy. Granola, messy, and then like a little bit of yogurt maybe just add in just for that extra like stickiness. So I'm, I'll am i give you some decent points for that. The, the more I think about it, the worse this is kind of getting. So Granola is messy on a table. Like I spill granola on a table. And so just imagine when you're moving in a car. It's just there's a lot of granola there. That is a good point. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to give you points. For, I'm going to put that alongside the Kit Kat. For I'm terms good at of... arguing a point. <laughs> So that that is okay. I put it up there with the KK because it's messy while not inherently being difficult to drive while eating. So that's that's where we're at there with we that. Yeah. There so, we go. Mm-hmm. So one day, one day I will come to the crucible of that answer of like what is the most difficult one. So that is my goal in life. Like you're obsessed with all these uh, like ghost tracks. One day I will find that hardest thing to eat while driving. But today you know is not that thing. It's an honorable cause, and I'm sorry I could not fill that void in your life. Well, but... You're helping. You're helping by giving me some. You know, there's the mess. There's a Venn diagram. This is what I need to do. I need a Venn diagram of difficult to eat and like messy to eat, and then like in that middle, that little cusp in the middle. That's what I'm looking for. Well, you know, speaking of difficult to drive, the the youngest one, Sam the cat. Yeah. When uh, we first picked him up, my mom actually brought him home, and she was in the Miata, and he got really freaked out, and he was under the pedals. And so, like, he was under the clutch, <laughs> like, running around because he was super little. And she was like, I really have to put the clutch in. I really have to put the clutch in. And she was calling me, and she was like, the cat is the cat is on the pedals. The cat is on the pedals. What do I do? And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Sounds hard. See you when you get home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's before, before I married my wife when like we first started dating she used to drive around sometimes with the cats just loose in the car and i'm like that is the most mind-boggling thing on the planet it's horrible it's yeah. horrible yeah they're they're bad Ooh. Man, that might but, be the answer a live cat is the hardest thing to eat while driving that might be the answer don't try to eat the cat but don't <laughs> eat cats in general like just send them to me because yeah. i want the cat mm-hmm. and you have on that note, I understand you have wet food in the car at all times or dry food in the car at I all times? I have dry food in the car at all times. Actually, I have a full bag of food in the car at all times. And so when I see stray cats on the street, I pull over and I give them food. <laughs> and most of the time they run away, but they see it's there and they can come back and eat it. Well, that is a nice little <laughs> note, I think, to go out on. It's been <laughs> it's been an absolute delight to have you. Um, so 
obviously people can go find you at Jalopnik on you know Sunday through Wednesday. You said, or was it Saturday through Wednesday? Saturday through Wednesday now until until we find somebody new as weekend editor, and then I'll be Monday through Friday. But yes, I am at Jalopnik. And your social media, where you want people to follow you, if you want people to follow you, basically give out the plugs you want to give out. Oh yeah, I am Alanis in King on all of my social media, I believe. And Alanis is really weird to spell, so you can always find me on Jalopnik. But it's A L A N I S in King, and that's on basically all my social media. So you can see my cats, you can see the cars I get to drive, and the places I get to go, and more of my cats. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a. I think we need to reverse engineer the cats being cars thing. I think you need to start comparing every car you get to review to a particular cat in media. I think that's what needs to happen. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. This car reminds me of this cat. People would stop reading my reviews. (laughs) People would stop reading my reviews. I've actually tried to uh, convince Rory Reed of Top Gear to do a Will It Cat segment on Top Gear and we're slowly getting closer to that. I hope one day that comes to fruition. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Talk to him about it. Everybody tweet him. Let yep. him know. <laughs> yep. Well, it's been an absolute delight to have you on. Um, Thank you so much. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me. Oh, no problem. I'm going to say goodbye to you off air. Everyone who's listening will be right back as soon as I get the button to stop this. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Untitled Car Show. Make sure to go visit rightfootdown.com. Um, yeah, make sure to visit Track Monkey Apparel. Uh, follow our West Coast correspondent, Ryan West, at, at Ryanator122. Um, I think that's it for the plugs this evening. Just tell a friend if you like what you hear. It's the best way for the show to grow. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. Have a good evening. Wherever you are, whatever time it is there, thank you so much for listening. Please be safe out there.